Welcome to the Youthscape podcast, the podcast for Christians who work with young people. Everybody and welcome to the next and the final in the this season of the Youthscape podcast. I am Rachel Gardner and sat next to me, dripping with the Holy Spirit and sweat. It's Martin Saunders. It is hot in here, Martin. Very hot in here. It's very hot in Luton. Uh, we want to say a big thank you to all of you tuning in because you've stuck with us through this season, through many seasons of life. Uh, and it's been a real privilege for us to be the soundtrack to your summer, or at least the earworm of your yeah. summer. Or if you're listening to this in October, hey. Hey, hi, it's hot right now. Do you remember the sun? <laughs> it shines every now and then. So this is our last uh, episode, Martin. It is. The last episode of this season. Of this season, because we're now doing seasons. And it's a season just... that we've called Youthscape Endgame. It's the, no, not that. No, we've it's a season things. we've called Youth Work Around the World. He's got the whole world in his hands, Global Youth Tribe. We've given it lots of titles. Yeah, it has had many names, but this has been our international season. So we've we've met youth leaders in uh, Switzerland and Austria and India and the Philippines and Lebanon and Start Holland. A list. It's a Can't bad. leave anyone off now. <laughs> Africa. Where? Kenya. Kenya. And Australia. And I feel like there's one more that I've forgotten. And <sighs> this today, Turkey. Oh, Turkey. Oh, Turkey. Why? How could we forget Turkey and the Turkey, Turkey. fact? Yes. And, uh, and, and today we've got mm. one more stop on our international jet-setting tour and we're going to Poland. And actually our wonderful guest today sort of oversees Poland and a bit further. So you're going to hear a little bit about the rest of Europe, yeah. which is very, very exciting. So what have you enjoyed most about this season, Martin? Oh, I think it's really surprised me if i'm honest in a really good way mm. that we um we have so much in common with our brothers and sisters in youth ministry around the world so i remember having our conversation with uh, uh our, our friend tc yes. in in kenya and just feeling this instant connection like oh we're we're on the same mission yes. like we don't know quite the same young people but we see some very similar themes and we're hearing the lord maybe say some similar stuff yeah, in good. very different contexts i think from that interview from australia from lebanon i feel like i learned loads as well yeah the philippines um and so i think just getting an insight into bits of the world i don't know very much about has been great um, I just think it's been nice to make some new friends. Oh, it absolutely has been nice to make new friends. And we've friends, been angling a bit for, um, you know, like... Have we had any holiday Some overseas trips and nothing's no, come off. nothing's come of it. We were hoping it? that guy with the castle... Oh, yes. From week one, he was I going can... to invite us. Oh, Austria. That's yeah. a place we've not mentioned. Austria. But, well, he's not, totally there's been no hotel, not no. hotel, there's been no castle invite. No, no castle invite. So we've had fun. Whether our guests feel they want to stay in touch... <laughs> It's, yeah. a, it's another matter, but oh. we've had fun and we've had, and it has been, I think I said it on one of the other episodes, but I just loved hearing different voices, knowing that this, these contexts that people are speaking out of is just, you know, they are sold out for it in the way that we're sold out for where God places us here. And, and you suddenly realise, I'm going to get a little bit, I'm going to get a bit biblical now. What? But I just, I was just thinking that actually all of us individually in our little spaces sold out for those that housing estate God's called us to, or that rural ministry, or the or the school, or the the little volunteer club that you volunteer at. Like mm. across the world, there are people doing that everywhere. What a patchwork mm. of ministry! And the prophet Jeremiah, when he talks about hope, 
Uh, the word that he uses actually can also mean the pooling of water and the idea that when lots of bits of water are on the on the road oh, yeah. and they pool together and make one big beautiful thing that's a picture oh, of hope like wow. hope coming together like, and i think that's what it's done for me sort of increase that sense of there is there is hope because if there are people that that are doing this all over the place my my little bit on this little tiny corner that is beautiful because it's part of this big patchwork that matters that matters you're looking stunned. I love that. Well, you know what it's making <laughs> me think of is that bit at the end of Terminator 2 Judgment Day where I they think they've melted the Terminator and he's just little puddles oh. of that weird metally substance, mercury substance around. Right. And then they pull together <gasps> and, the, and the Terminator comes back to life uh, and tries to kill ashes. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Great. That's the, that's the picture we want in everyone's isn't, brain. Isn't that what the Lord is saying to us today? <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you what I've loved is the two big themes that I've pulled. And maybe you would say, like, we, we see what we want to see. We hear what we want to see and hear in yeah, terms of yeah, yeah. common threads. But but one thread has definitely been a move towards unity. So across the world, people saying we are laying down some of our old denominational yes. divides and theological boundaries. We're saying, look, we're, we're actually we're prepared to work with people that we were, or we're friends with people that you never would have been friends with before. That has been really exciting. And mm -hmm. it wasn't just one or two times. It was like week after week to the point that we almost became a bit of a running joke. Yes. Oh, we're going to talk about unity again. Um, that was really interesting. The other thing, and this is where I really am seeing it through my own filter, is having kind of spent the last couple of years coming up with this kind of framework for looking at helping young people to put God at the center of their lives, you know, and, and the big part of that being God's not just interested in church, he's interested in the football pitch and your maths lesson and every other part of your mm. life. I just heard that come up so many times, yes, you know, this, yeah. this idea that actually we need to take a bigger vision of what it means to have God in your life as a Christian, as a young Christian. We don't just want to be talking about God in your church time, but God in your school time and God yes. in your friendships and your relationships. And that in some ways, that's nothing new about that. But also it feels like everyone's talking about it at the same time. Yes. And that felt very exciting. That does. That feels like a missional movement, which yeah. is exactly what our guest talks about today. And that there's lots of stuff that you're going to hear today that I, I feel this is why we partly left it as our final episode interview. Because actually what he what he does is he, he, he brings it from the context, but he lifts it up and says what you just said, which is actually the call on us as leaders of this generation is, is to have that missional movement thing. What does it look like that this generation get hold of the gospel in a way that we never did? What's the church of the future going to look like? Because actually they're shaping it now. And I and I, and I I love that. I love hearing from India. You know, 700 million people in the population are under the age of 25. Wow. So a church, Christians who are 3% of the population, their strategy for church planting is young people at the centre of this. Yeah. That makes great sense pragmatically. Of course it does. But also prophetically, I think Jesus asks us to have a very specific bias towards the young, yeah. which doesn't mean we dismiss everyone at other age group, but there's a special responsibility on us for emerging generations. And that's just made me think of one other thing, which is re I've really thought through this season. Um, traditionally, the way that we in the UK and America particularly engage with all the other different countries around the world and their ministry and their youth ministry is we feel like we've got something to export to them. <laughs> We've got ministries, we've got resources. We're like, hey, come and see our five-step innovation process or whatever it is, and we try and sell it overseas. And what's been great about this season is we've just actually sat back and listened mm. and and heard all this brilliant stuff that's going on on the ground in those countries. Actually, we could learn a lot from them. Yes. I was thinking, talking to Joyce and Chirion in India yes. and just thinking, wow, I want to see what you're creating, what's coming out of your churches, not, you know, not 
give you some stuff that we've that's yeah. not going to work for you in a million years. Yeah. Let's hear what you've been developing and see, um, you know, what, how that might relate to our context, how that might translate to our context. And mm-hmm. I think if we could genuinely flip our thinking like that, we're suddenly opening ourselves up to the possibility of being resourced from 90% of the world that we've previously yes. thought the, the conversation only goes one way. Absolutely. That's exciting. And resourced from ministries in other parts of the world that are massively under-resourced. Mm. And so their resources are passionate hearts, the work of the spirit, courage, you know, get on with it. And, and, and not that we should then say it doesn't matter that the physical resources we have. We're so grateful to God that we have church buildings and there are people that can have salaries. But it's a brilliant reminder at ground zero mm. to say none of this requires buildings, salaries. Mm. These things are beautiful gifts. And I'm all for youth workers being paid. Of course I am. I'm one of them. And But actually the move of God is not limited to the things that we think we can do. It's always going to be outside of our comfort zone. Oh, and to man. hear that from our friends who can, who really own the right to tell that to us. Yeah. And we have to sit and listen to be schooled. I think it's beautiful. Exciting. So we've got one more place to go. <laughs> one more place. And of course, before we do that, Rachel, yes. we've all become, this has become the highlight of my summer. Well, either that or they fast forward. <laughs> it's the highlight of my summer too. People, fun facts about Poland. So here we go. Poland is a relatively low-lying country. More than 90% of its territory lies about 300 metres above sea level. But, mountainous fact coming in, there are three main mountain ranges located mainly in the southern part of the country. Don't know what they are. But isn't that interesting? I tell you what, I've been to Poland a few times. And I climbed a Polish uh, mountain once (laughs) on on Easter Sunday. It's a thing you? that they do. They climb a Polish they mountain. They climb a So I was there over Easter and there was a massive, you know, because it's a very, very Catholic crosses, yes, country. And yeah. so the huge kind of religious symbolism and in, in everything. Yes. And uh, and so there was a bank holiday on uh, the, the, the Sunday and the Monday. And over those two days, people climb mountains. And so we, I can't remember the name of it either, but it was in the south. <laughs> it was in the south and we and climbed, climbed a, mountain. a Polish mountain. And the word Poland, you might not have realised this, means people living in open fields. Oh. I don't know, do you reckon that's, that moves into their psyche? I quite like that. People, I like the sound of people that live in open fields. That's Where nice. do you live, Martin? I oh, mean, my family live in an open field. Live in open oh, fields. Let's come and hang out with you. Yeah. Where do you live? I live in a cramped... I don't know what I mean. Like it just yeah. feels like there might be... Symbolically, shouldn't we symbolically, all live in open fields? We should. Now get ready for this fun fact, which I trailed in a different episode. Yeah, don't oversell Europe's that. heaviest animals live in Poland. Right. Europe's heaviest animal. I don't know if they're obese. I mean, they have like an obesity crisis. No, I don't know what they are. Are they some kind of hybrid of animals that we wouldn't recognise? Oh my goodness, it's, it's the real Jurassic big, Park. It's particularly big cows. I don't know, but they live in Poland. <laughs> so when you next go climbing Polish mountains, look out for heavy animals. <laughs> Wearing a hat indoors is considered rude. Is it? Yes. Oh gosh, I and wonder if I did that. Oh, you might have done. It's still expected for men to kiss women's hands. Really? I think they're a very romantic nation, actually. That's lovely. I don't know that for a fact, but it's one of my facts. Now, this one, here we go. Polish, have you watched any Polish TV? Only when I was in Poland, and okay. I didn't understand a lot of it. You didn't understand it. Here we go. Polish TV is dubbed by one man. So foreign movies and series are dubbed, but not by Polish actors, <laughs> but by a single man reading parts of everyone, <laughs> including <laughs> women and children. Really? It's a very busy man in Poland. Really? Do you know what? 
you mean it's the same man, it's or just same... or just when they dub things, they just know. use one man to I, do all the parts? Uh, well, I I like the thought that it's one just man that's one done man. it since the dawn of time. The dubbing man. <laughs> oh, I love that. Like why? I begs the question: Why? When I was in Poland. <laughs> And this isn't something I thought I was going to say a lot on this episode. Um, one of the things that really struck me was their absolute obsession above all others with one English celebrity. Oh, they are absolutely say. obsessed. And his picture is everywhere. Can we have a little guess of who this might be? Can you give us some clues? So uh, not so big in this country anymore, but huge like megastar in the 90s and early noughties. Yeah, Hugh More famous over the 80s. That kind of era, yeah, yeah shared some screen time with, with Hugh Grant, actually. So it's not Mr. Darcy? No, nope, not, not Mr. Darcy. Amy, have you got any thoughts? So we're thinking white male is what we're thinking. He, he, was, he is a white male, yeah, absolutely. But British guy, the biggest, not just in Poland, actually, right across Eastern Europe. Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean. I mean, of course it's Mr. Bean. He is a <sighs> megastar. And so everywhere you go, or certainly this was true 10 years ago when I was over there, there would be these cardboard cutouts of Mr. Bean in, in windows and things everywhere. Oh goodness. And they, but they don't call him Mr. Bean. Oh, no. They call him John Bean. John Bean. So they think his name is John Bean. Why do they call him John well, Bean? Well, just because they've got to give him an English name. Oh, I see. So John Bean. So if you, if you said John Bean to a Polish person, they guarantee would... they would be falling over themselves laughing about something he did in a church. Oh, gosh, I don't know how I feel about that. I feel a bit embarrassed about that, really. I mean, I, I love... You know the Mr. Bean movies? They still stand up. If you, oh, if you I watch... I can't bear them. Oh, really? Oh, I can't bear them. You don't like Mr. Bean? Them. Oh, I, I cope with one, but then that's about it. It's, you oh. don't... The whole thing with Wrestler's mother... That thing. Actually, maybe it's more when he tried to be James Bond that I didn't like. It. Oh yeah, that's yes, no good. Johnny English. No, no maybe, maybe I need to go back oh. to the original, original, original. Yes, yes. I'll get back there. John Bean. Right, I've digressed. Okay, us. so while they're uh, looking for heavy animals and loving John Bean, mushrooming is a popular family activity in Poland. Going to the forest to pick wild mushrooms at the end of the summer—very topical. Yeah. Kids are taught how to distinguish between an edible mushroom and a poisonous. Let's one. hope so. <laughs> Again, our, our guest who tunes in, <laughs> tells his family, listens to the Escape podcast. They're really going to honour me. I really me. like this guy. He's like, I really honour him. He's like an amazing yeah. guy. I want him to respect He's us. He's going to love just... this. So why don't anyway, you introduce him for us? So this is Luke Greenwood, who is the, uh, the national, the European director of a fantastic youth missional movement called Steiger. And this is what he had to say. Luke, here you are, sat in Poland, a British boy in Poland. Tell us, how did you end up there? Wow, it's a long story. Actually, I started off not in Poland. I was in Brazil most of my life because my parents were missionaries there. So I grew up in the missionary world, uh, just experiencing that. And when I was in university in Brazil, I really felt God calling me to reach uh, my peers to reach like university students and, and others who just would not walk into a church. They had a negative idea about religion, about God, about church. And I was like, you know, we need some kind of mission organization, something like what I've seen my parents do, but that really reaches young people who wouldn't walk into a church. And so I started praying, looking for people pretty quickly. God answered my prayers and some girls from Germany turned up in my church in Brazil 
And I, my, my prayer being, God, I want to meet other people who want to do this too. And they were like, yeah, you know, we've, we're connected with this network and there's a band here in Brazil and they are missionaries from all over the world. And they're going into clubs, festivals, universities. They're going to places where the gospel is not preached and they're reaching people. And I was like, yes, I need to meet these guys. So I got on the first bus to another city and found this band and they were connected with this mission called Steiger. And uh, I was 17 at the time, but I was like, how do I join? How do I get involved in this thing? Um, I was in my first year at university and they were like, oh, come to our conference next month. And I was like, I will be there. And, uh, and they said, okay, it's in Poland. So I, <laughs> so I went home, I called my mother. I was like, mom, I'm going to Poland. And she was like, why? And I was like, oh, I have to join this mission organization. And, uh, and that's what I did. I sold some stuff and got on a flight and ended up in Poland. And, um, and that's kind of how I got involved in this, this mission. Now, like for the first number of years, I stayed in Brazil. I finished my degree, but I was involved in lots of stuff. I started touring with a band that was sharing Jesus, that same band I went to see. Um, I met my wife that way. My wife's from Poland. And we served together um, with the mission in Brazil for six years, in the UK for three. And now we've been in Poland for five. So, so we've sort of been around everywhere. That's how I ended up here. So, I mean, it, what's so captivating about your story is that your journey into youth ministry and answering the question, how do we connect with young people that don't ever go to church? Like that started for you in a global space. Like you're talking about Brazil, Poland, the UK. So like already you've got this extraordinary global view of youth ministry. Is that... Is that something that is is quite unique to you? Do you think do you find other people that have that, or do we tend to stay in our nations in our little areas? Do you think? Well, I, I do consider it a privilege that I got that opportunity to have that start in life where I could see different places. But I think what it did was it helped me realize and maybe have a bit of an outsider perspective, but to realize actually how connected we really are. I mean, for me, it was it was just weird that like I could be in the UK. And people would have such similar responses to the big questions of life as they did in Brazil. Or then as I started traveling with this band around the world, I'd be in like the Middle East, Turkey, um, Lebanon. I'd be in like South America, Europe, different parts, Russians, Russian speaking world. And people would have similar responses to those big questions like, why are we here? And what's life about? And does God even exist? And you know, what's the purpose of my life? All these things were important questions. And yet the questions that people just seem to not know the answers to anymore, just feeling so lost, so confused. And that is exactly what I saw in my university. I did an art degree and it was very kind of humanistic, very secular in its, in its worldview in the university. And so people were like, um, that it, it was all about, you know, empowering ourselves and figuring out how to live our lives and yet feeling so lost about those big questions of purpose. So, so it gave me that perspective and that made me realize how there is this massive, what we call in our mission, global youth culture that is unreached, that, that is like being brought up on media at school, in university with the same ideas, sharing very similar values. Now, of course, there are, there are local differences, but, but in general, this is mainstream culture today, and it is a culture that has gone so far from being even open to the idea of Jesus, of God, of there being something more to life than the things we see. And uh, so, in fact, for me, that's been kind of a drive. It's like realizing that need and then saying, how can we respond to the questions and, to be honest, the lies of our culture?
that that have really been making stopping people, hindering people from actually looking for truth. And so a generation raised on self-actualization actually are the most lost. So you said brilliantly that sense of globally, global youth culture are asking the same essential questions, but you tantalizingly said, but then there's a kind of a local challenge to you. So so talk to us about Poland, like the global questions that are being asked, but what is what does that look like in Poland for young people, young adults in Poland? Well, Poland is one of the strongest Catholic countries in the world. So like this is a culture that's grown up where national identity is very tied to um, the Catholic tradition. And that that has good things and difficult things. Okay, so on one hand, to an extent, like in comparison with other European countries, Polish young people, young adults still have a respect for faith questions, for God. Um, and they, so if you, if you start talking or sharing, there's, there's a certain respect, there's a certain, yeah, you know, this is an important thing, um, which in some, some other countries we've already lost that, you know, we just start, everybody's like, no, whatever, that's totally just, it's lies. Don't even come at me with that. Um, but on the other hand, there's also a lot of apathy now and negativity towards the institution of the church. And I mean, even recently, there's been a number of things that there have been a lot of, you know, the accusations coming out against the institution of the Catholic Church with um, abuse going on. That's been a big thing here in Poland. Uh, another one is uh, the way the church has often come, become involved in politics. So when you say Jesus, Christianity, often in Poland, they'll think of politics, they'll think of corruption. Um, and, and, and then um, with the LGBTQ community um, raising and getting a, a more of a voice, and also there have been, you might have seen on the news, certain laws coming through with abortion and that sort of thing, that's kicked up a lot of anger towards the institution um, of the religion that was the national religion. And that's caused this, this tension and this situation. So um, I find like, so a lot of what we do as a mission is we really get out there into place where the gospel is not shared and we're just very public, very bold. Um, we combine the, the belief, the value that we have to communicate in a way people can understand today that is welcoming to them, that is connecting, that is relevant with the need to just be bold, old school, preach it from the, from the rooftops. We're, we're very much kind of like out there. And we found that to be amazingly powerful in so many contexts. Like God just moves. I totally believe in what it says in, in, in 1 Corinthians um, about the message of the cross being the power of God. When you preach it, God moves with power. So we'll do that. But when I do that in Poland, I'll often say, when I say the name Jesus, you're thinking about politics. You're thinking about a corrupt institution. But I want you to know that Jesus is not that. He's something so much more than that. He's somebody who walked this earth, suffered with us, suffered our pain, um, died a, a horrible death and came back to life to defeat the death that's in me and that's in you. And he's alive and he's here right now. And he's for everybody, not just for religious people, for people that always go to church every Sunday. He is for me and you, people who are imperfect. And when I say that message in Poland, very often people are going, you know what? I'd never really heard somebody talk about God like that because it just wow. doesn't happen in public like that. Wow. So, so that's one of the things that you guys do to kind of fight back against that very strong narrative about religion, about Jesus being about an institution that's oppressive. Yes. It's, you deconstruct that with very public mm. messages. So, so Luke, yeah. give us a little, little snapshot. Like, 
what what would that look like? You're talking about being bold out on the streets. Uh-huh. Are, we, are we talking like street evangelism? Are you in clubs? Are you in schools? What mm. what does that look like? We do a bit of everything. We just try to be there where young people, young adults, we're talking about sort of 16, 17, all the way up to like 35. That's kind of our, our aim. Our teams do regular street evangelism. That's a big part of what we do. But we're also very much into cultural engagement. Um, and so we'll be in the clubs, um, in universities with debates and discussions. We'll be in festivals. So just an example, uh, like our team here in Wrocław, where I live in Poland, um, we started engaging with um, the cultural scene, doing stuff in cultural centers, in clubs. We would have events that would involve art or music or um, key themes for discussion or films and then discussions after films. And we started organizing these events. And usually it will be like mostly with non-Christians. Um, so we'd have non-Christian bands and artists and engaging with, with non-Christians. It's not a Christian event. Um, but we'd always have a clear message in it. We'd have different people or groups that are going to be communicating clearly the gospel through that. We did one in a club here in the, in the center of the city where we had two bands play and then a discussion afterwards. Um, and one of the bands was sharing their faith. And after that, the owner of the club said, that was a really cool event. It was packed out. People responded, well, can you do it in my other club? Now, the other club that she owns is the only LGBTQ club in Wrocław. There's not a big scene for that community here. And it was the only one. She was like, can you do it in this club? Now, we work always in partnership with the local church, right? So we got all these different local churches involved with us. So we gathered the, the leaders of the churches, the youth leaders, the pastors, and we were like, guys, we just got invited to do our event in the LGBTQ club. Can we go do that together? And they were like, yeah, let's go for it. And, you know, which that was after a long process of helping churches to realize the need to get out there in, in, and be part of the city. Um, and so we did it and we ran this amazing event. It had like a Brazilian theme because there are a number of Brazilians involved and people loved it. It was a great atmosphere. We were able to share clearly about our faith and who Jesus is. We were not hiding that message in any way. And it was so well received that we now have a long-term partnership with the LGBTQ club where we're, you know, regularly doing different actions and things. And so that's what we believe in. We believe in working together with the scene, but then bringing a clear message and communicating that. And we very often see people respond very openly, positively to the gospel message in those places. That's brilliant. And it's wonderful to hear about a parachurch mission organization that's working so closely with local church. So could you give us a little insight into local church then? Because I I guess what what I'm hearing from you is both some really exciting, audacious, culturally engaged mission, which just makes my heart sing. I love that. Um, But also, I guess you're working with a local church and a youth worker that maybe is not feeling quite so confident in that. So can you give us a snapshot? What what might it look like if a young person walks into an average an average church in yeah. Poland? Do they exist? What, what would that look like? Yeah, that is one of the biggest challenges. And it's but it's a challenge that I find almost every church is fully aware of right now. They're like, yes, this is a problem we have. We we're not knowing how to engage with the next generation. People have these negative ideas. If they come to us, they feel out of place and not welcomed or, you know, they're aware. So they're very open and wanting to work, especially once they see and understand what we're doing and they see the fruit and they're they're like, okay, this is working. How can we do things together? Um, and so we find that it's so important, first of all, to have a lot of love and patience in working with churches. We're not, you know, of course, it's great to see new churches being planted and we're all for that. But we also want to be walking alongside those churches who have been faithful over many years and are going, what can we do? How can we reach out? And so 
we'll often start with, let's do some training. Let's come and do some stuff together in the church. But immediately our trainings will be very practical. We'll be getting people outside, getting them outside the comfort zone. And so we'll do something simple like a street evangelism and we'll say, come with us. Let's go together. We believe that evangelism isn't to be done by like the, the lone wolf evangelist who's going to get out there. And, you know, the stories I tell sometimes will make it sound like, oh, wow, you know, it's the crazy evangelist. But we believe in evangelism in community, which means we go together. And we take everybody along because there'll be, you know, everybody in a church will be like, I want to share my faith. I want people to meet Jesus, but I don't know how to do that. And I would feel so uncomfortable talking to a stranger. So we go, mm -hmm. great, let's go together. And we go out and we'll do some kind of action on the street where everybody can join in. And, and then suddenly people who have never had conversations like that about their faith openly are having them and are being so encouraged by it. They're being like, wow, that, that's the first time I've done that. And the person actually really wanted yeah. to receive it and they were blessed and they were encouraged. So and that way you can empower the church. They feel like, wow, OK, we can do this and then we'll work together. Now, bridging the gap when when we meet somebody in a festival or a club who's first time saying, yeah, okay, I, I, I need this. I need to know more about this. If we just say, come to church next Sunday, a lot of the time they won't. And if they do, they'll feel awkward and they won't come anymore. So what we do is we talk a lot about bridging the gap and we talk about how discipleship is a process that starts the day you meet that person and not the day they become part of your church. And, and mm. sometimes we've treated discipleship like this. It's like, okay, once the person gets to a place where they can start coming to church and they can join this, this weekly program or meeting, then they'll get some discipleship. They'll learn what it means to follow Jesus. But if there's a gap, if there's a barrier there, we've got to, um, that process has to be able to start before they come. Yeah. So what we'll do is we'll tell our teams and the churches we work with, when you go out on the street or you're part of any event like this, it's your job. If you engage with somebody well and there's a personal connection, you stay with that person. You meet with them tomorrow for a coffee. You engage. It's your. This is your project now. Work with that person. Stay close to them. Be there for them. And it can sometimes take a lot of time for that person to gradually engage through a relationship and then become part of a community. We try to help that. I will run Bible studies in neutral venues and we call it a Bible study for the non-religious. So you might yeah. imagine something like an alpha, but even like before alpha. So it's like um, somebody who's like, okay, I don't know if I'm interested, but I'm willing to come and check it out. And we'll run it in the club where we've done the event or in the cafe. And it will be very much an open discussion, not a, not a program with lots of questions. It's like open. Tell me what you think. Let's read a passage. Tell me what you think. We have community houses where our team will have a house they live in and they'll make it an open space that people come. We run parties there. We just try to create atmospheres where young people, young adults can come and feel like this is normal. This is okay. It's cool for me to be here. Yeah. It's not a program. It's not a church thing. I'm just coming yeah. to a hangout. And, and their relationships can happen and, the, and we start bridging that gap and people start connecting and discipleship happens right there it's a discipleship relationship it's it's yeah. that's the moment they meet you that's the that's the idea yeah. i love that so it's really so i get this vision of it being you it's a big organization you're in lots of different countries and nations but you really focus on that personal friendship mm -hmm. that relationship that's yeah. really authentic isn't it i want to ask you then luke you're based in poland you and your lovely wife and your teams um but, but what I love about your organization is that you, you're thinking with real clarity and credibility about being a movement that connects with young people that would never darken the doors of a church. 
So as you think about the next five years, 10 years, what, what is on your heart? What do you think needs to happen if, if the church around the world, um, you know, obviously it's the Holy Spirit that builds a church. It's not our clever ideas. But, but what is it that you think would need to happen for, for churches to really be able to understand and connect with and disciple global youth culture? What, what, what will it take? I think it takes a shift in mindset in the way we think about missions. So missions, it changed a lot. And then in a way, unfortunately, kind of died out, I feel like in, in a lot of ways in the church where we, let's say 100 years ago, uh, places like the UK or other parts of Europe, we'd be sending missionaries. We'd be like, okay, let's find who are the people in our church who are called to be missionaries. Let's send them to other countries. Some churches still do that, but there's not enough of that going on anymore. And But what I would say is the front line of missions has shifted and changed in some ways. For me, there's still a need to send cross-cultural missionaries. But maybe the biggest mission field right now is young people in our cities. It's the global youth culture. It's realizing that there is this gap in my own city to reach the next generation outside the church. So it's got to be a missional movement. It's got to be churches going, how do we go out? How do we get out to people? And and then learning again how to do that. And it's similar principles like contextualization. How do we make the gospel relevant to our community, to the people around us? It requires boldness. Um, we have a few values that we talk about. We say, first, you seek God um, desperately as a church, as a mission group. You go, God, how can we reach our city? Um, second, we talk about relevance. Um connecting, understanding the culture, knowing what the questions are. Then we talk about boldness. We say, step out, go out to people. Don't stay inside your context. Then we say, when you go out, preach the message of the cross. Let them know who Jesus is. Be clear, be bold. Um, we talk about holiness because we're going into dark places and we say we got to stay close to Jesus. And we talk about doing this as a family, as a community. So evangelism is done as a community. So we, around those six values, we challenge the uh, you know churches we work with, our missionary teams. Um, one thing we've been praying for is that God would raise up missional movements among local churches in cities all over Europe, all over the world to engage with the secular culture around them, to get out. Um, you know, another thing is, Churches, um, when when we as a church think about evangelism, um, there's been kind of a wave of a reaction, I guess, in a way to kind of the big crusades, you know, evangelistic crusades before and saying like, oh, that doesn't work anymore. We shouldn't do that anymore. And often the alternative that's been put in place is friendship evangelism. Let's build friendships. Let's reach people. Now, to an extent, that's that's good and and it's true. Things have changed. So evangelistic crusades have had a whole terminology and a way of communicating that that expected and and assumed people would respect the Bible as an authority and the church as an authority. That's gone, right? Culture today does not see the Bible or the church as an authority. In fact, unfortunately, it's reversed where they actually have started seeing Christians as a like a not not a good example, a bad example. Like Christians are haters and bigots and they, you know, and they're arrogant. And you know, that's what often the media portrays. And so you're starting from a really hard point. So just coming at them saying, come, you know, we're gonna preach a message and you have to listen. We've got a shift in that. True. But if we go to saying just friendship evangelism, see, friendship evangelism is crucial, so important. I mean, you heard me talking about it just now. The relationship is so important. But here's the truth and the reality. Majority of society today does not have a Christian friend. 
Majority of society today does not know a church, does not know anyone who would share with them. And how are they going to hear? How is the millions of young people and young adults who have grown up being told that they can only be sure of what they see, that they're here by accident, that there, there probably isn't a God. If there is, then nobody knows. Nobody really can define that. And if, if you grow up hearing that and you never get the chance to meet somebody who's a Christian, how are you going to hear? So we can't just limit ourselves to friendship evangelism. We've got to go out and be public and go to the streets, to the universities, the clubs, the festivals. So, so I think that it's, it will take the church realizing that and, and having the boldness to step out and see it as a missional movement. We've got to get to people today. Brilliant interview, Rachel. Great to hear from Luke. Um, and as we think at the end of the season, um, it's perhaps helpful to think um, about youth culture, not in our individual silos mm. and countries, but the, the sort of mission field of God across the whole yeah, world. Uh, and maybe that was something, you know, Luke was alluding to a little bit there. Yeah. Um, what does it take for us to reach an entire generation and not just think about, you know, I know we, we think about young people in our patch and sometimes you might think about the young people in the local high school it's quite a jump to think not just about the young people in our nation but across the whole world but that is the level at which the spirit of god is working and if there are some common themes and some common ideas that have come through this season about what god might be saying to all of us and how we might actually be closer together as a tribe mm. of, of youth workers across the world than we thought then maybe we should be all thinking about all young people, which is quite a big, yes. a big thought, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And it's interesting to think that that is God's perspective when we pray mm. for young people. That that, and I think I think for me that it's been a double whammy of God. I can trust you with the, the little context that I'm in because you you have literally got the whole world in your hand, as we sort of sung earlier. Mm. God, God, Jesus builds the church. It's not me. It's um, it's you do it by your spirit, and you are more invested in this than I ever could dream of. But also your spirit wants to work in partnership with me and you and youth workers all around the globe. So it, it's not on us, but it's also on us. You know, this is a wonderful, wonderful tension that we hold in the gospel. Like, you know, if not us, who is a, is a good prayer. Mm. But that doesn't mean therefore if we don't do it, yeah. everything is lost. So I think I've, I think I felt that push and pull really beautifully. And I just wonder whether, like, I feel more inspired yeah. after this little journey that we've been on to build more bridges, oh, to build more relationships yeah, with youth too. leaders right around the world. And I just wonder whether that's something that, I'm not suggesting we're setting homework, <laughs> but I just wonder whether off the back of this, anyone listening to this might think, what would it look like for me to reach out? Yeah. You know, the internet has made the world so small and so accessible. What would it look like to, for me to, to reach out? There's probably at least one person you know or see on social media who's a youth yeah, worker in another part else. of the world. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't be hard for you to build a bridge to exchange some learning safely. Yes. You know, um, I think it could be some only wonderful things could come from yes. the youth work community across the world talking to each other yes. and learning from each other. So um, I know how encouraged I feel when I get a little message from someone saying, I listened to that, that really encouraged me. And imagine, yeah. imagine what you're one of our friends in Turkey that's having to do quite a lot of this you know, in, a, in a different way, difficult context, and someone messages saying, just, I don't know you, I don't know your context, but I'm just praying for you and for those young mm -hmm. people that are finding faith in Jesus and they're, you know, connecting them on Zoom. Like, that would just, like, wouldn't that just blow your mind as yeah. a leader that someone's praying for you somewhere else? And it would just bless God's heart as well because he loves it when his children are united around this. Um, mm. It's beautiful. So it has been precious. I mean, I think we've had more giggles. 
It's been, this season. It's been quite fun. It has been hilarious. We've towed the line a few times, but I hope everyone feels that we've stayed the safe side of that line. Uh, it's always a bit dangerous, isn't it, Martin, when you and I chat? But it's been so good. And, it's, and I feel that actually after the year we've had as well, where... We've had to pay attention to different things. It's been a real gift, I think, mm. to kind of open up the conversation. So thank you so much for joining us. And for all your messages, you guys have got in touch and you've sent us thoughts and given us feedback and sent us messages. And we've absolutely loved that. And we take everything that you say and we, we chat about it and we think about it. So thank you so much for being part of this with us. If you would like to sponsor us and support us, uh, you can do that very simply by going to www.patreon.com forward slash youthscape. Mm-hmm. And for the price of whatever thing you want to name, yeah. you can you can get One behind dollar. us. So it could be a dollar, it could be a pound, it could be yeah. more. Yeah. Um, but actually, if you really appreciated this season of the Youthscape podcast, there are costs involved and we are a charity. Yeah. Uh, and we'd love it if you would consider supporting us on the way. We do create little exclusives. There yes, were some we fun exclusives this season. Yes. Uh, so, you know, you don't want to miss out on those. Um, and of course, I do want to just trail ahead to the fact we've got another season coming. Yeah. So, uh, in, in a few weeks' time, mm-hmm. uh, we will be into the next. Amy looks a little bit nervous. <laughs> we, in some weeks' time, we are going to launch another season of the Uscape podcast. And this time, uh, we're going to be looking at innovative practice around the world. So we're still thinking internationally, actually, yes. probably a little bit less, yes. but we're going to be looking at the UK, but also other places. We're going to be this time going to hear from some people in America mm-hmm. and we're going to look at innovative, innovative ideas, new things that people are trying and what's going on. So, so stay tuned for that. Stay on the, say subscribe to us, tell your friends, yes. write us a review. Um, yes. And also last thing from me if you've enjoyed this, let us know. So often we record this thing in a bit of a vacuum, yeah. very hot vacuum, if that's <laughs> even possible physically. Um, and, uh, and and we don't know whether mm. people are loving it or actually find it a bit tiresome. Uh, could be either way, mm. to be honest. But if you have appreciated this season or if you've got feedback, drop us yes, an email. We love it. Podcast at youthscape.co.uk. And that will go directly to Amy, who will process it, take out all the swear words and send it on to us. <laughs> That sounds awesome. So it is just up to us now just to bless you, wonderful people listening to this. Uh, We're one big family, aren't we? And we've just connected with our siblings around the globe. We hope it's blessed your heart. And as you just set out today and wherever it is that God's placed you to do, you're part of this massive patchwork, part of this massive movement of the spirit, part of this massive group that are reaching emerging generations with the most beautiful news that any of us could ever have discovered. So God bless you, and we look forward to connecting with you in our new season in the autumn.